folks. Welcome to the 9 o'clock hour of Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. It's August 10, 2019. We have in studio special guest John Intardinato. Going to be playing the balance of his interview. Good friend, neighbor of mine. Hopefully you caught the 8 o'clock hour. If you missed any of our shows, you can go online. 1480KYOS.com. Click on the Citizen Watch banner. They'll all be up there. If you missed any of this morning's shows, starting with the 6 a.m. hour, after 10 o'clock today, they'll be up there where you can listen to them, as they will be every weekend, along with some of our old shows that I think you'd like to listen to. I'll be putting those up periodically, too. So here's the completion of our interview with uh, John Intardinato. We were just talking about the European Union and some of the things going on there. He traveled extensively in Europe. So here we go. Hope you enjoy the show. Tune in next week for new content. Bye-bye. What, what do you think about that? Do you think the European Union is going to stay together? Yeah. Well, of course, you know, I'm, I'm an old Italian. I've spent a lot of time in Italy, and I think the siesta idea is a great th- deal. I think Italians <laughs> I get twice, to it. twice the life out, out, out of uh, their life because they start off, uh, say, around 7, uh-huh. and then they take this long three-hour break where they snooze and so on, and then they go back and they work till 7 again. Right. So they get, uh, you know, they get a morning and an evening, and they... It, in some ways, maybe it's more pleasant, but I think the uh, Northern Europe in America is t- very focused on um, totally work, you know, and and quitting and going out and working harder at play than they are at work. Right. Uh, and maybe, and that's I think part of the problem that I think w- we deal with with the migrant problem. We really don't want. We will spend so much time with physical activity if it's play right you go to a concert these guys are ranting and raving and (laughs) swinging and wiping themselves out and so on they would never put that energy into work Mm -hmm. nowadays when you call in the old days when you call someone would answer now you get a recording Mm -hmm. and you have to wait for them to return the call so you become a prisoner of the phone because everybody just well, I'm too, and who knows what they're doing? <laughs> I mean, they're working from eight to five supposedly, right. but all you get are recordings. Right. No, it, it's frustrating. No, I, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, the, uh, the, the individuality, the identity of some of those countries over there in Europe. Uh, you know, they, they really didn't like going along. Germany is the big powerhouse financially, carrying a lot of the other countries, as you know. Now that it's united, yeah. I mean, Italy, Italy's had some horrible debt. Yeah, but you know, the irony is that Italy has something like the third largest economy in Europe. Uh, England is where the, you know, they fall, England, when we first went to England, uh, the pound was something like, it cost you $2.70 to buy a pound. Mm-hmm. And we went back. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. I mean, that, they, that was a heck of a value. Yeah. And then when we went back, I think in, in the 70s, in fact, we were there when Margaret Thatcher went in there. And I think when they had the, the, the Yorkshire Strangler, I remember that was a big issue there. But uh, then it had dropped down to like a, a, a you only you get a pound for $1.70. Now it's like $1.30. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the English system is just... It really worries me more than 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 our system does. Well, you look at Brexit; they want to get out of there, and they uh, couldn't pull the trigger with the previous prime minister, May. Well, now they've got this uh, Trumpian uh, kind of uh, similar guy, Boris, I, I think, and uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it or not. Well, you don't, you just don't know. With England, it's really hard to say. A lot of the people that want to stay are, are the old English, you know, who. 
the English had had a great they had a great run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sun run. never set. Huh? The sun never sun set. never set on the English Empire. Now it it, it barely there is no sun. <laughs> well, <laughs> no sun in England. Yeah, that that's kind of uh, it is kind of interesting. Again, you see these growing pains in in the immigration. Italy, uh, you know, being right across from Libya, there, uh, northern Africa. Yeah, they get hit pretty badly. Really cause, badly because they have a lot of islands, not just uh, the mainland. Right, and, and now they're leaders. And the Greeks are very poor, and they're getting hit mm-hmm. because they border these places it's it's uh it's kind of unfair because most of them are using it as a as a way to get to germany right. and sweden and the, the netherlands where the economies are very robust and uh, do you see parallels now with our immigration problem at our southern border people coming up from guatemala el salvador honduras coming well, look, through these countries to get to the land of milk and honey if you will well the biggest problem of course is that it's just not fair to the people that wait online and and uh, people don't realize that there are a lot of people in Africa that really are suffering really really suffering disease and misery and they're waiting and waiting and and these people from the communist countries and now the Middle East because of the terror and everything uh, you know it, it and they're waiting and applying and I I know people who who come in I mean I mean I'm not opposed to immigration no I, I, we have the most liberal immigration laws around, but there have to be rules mm-hmm. to say that anybody can come in the middle of the night and just come in. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounds humane, but people don't realize that there may be 10 other people who have the same identical problem that have been waiting in line for years and years to come in. They filled out the forms. They're just waiting. Uh, I mean, to say that because somebody has marched two, two or 3,000 miles, well, in other words, if somebody uh, hears about this rich person or this, rich, you know, this wealthy thing and he travels across the country 2,000 miles, does that give him a right to, to rob the guy? No. Because he's, I mean, he's made that trek? I agree with you. Just I, because we have a land bridge from Honduras and people from the Middle East can't walk across the ocean, that's no reason that these folks should get ahead in line. It's like you say, there is a process. It's a very liberal process. Just follow the rules. Well, we, you know, we seem to pick our own. We seem to pick our own legal things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, drugs have been illegal. Marijuana has been illegal. We have broken those laws all the time. Right. You see, uh, and and yet, uh, certain things are are. Uh, the whole point of something being legal is obviously to to try to have some rules some control you know and so on and to say that because you're abiding by it you're a police state or you're a fascist uh, a little over the top, it, isn't it? It, 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 it's, it's an insult to what happened. At, I've been to Auschwitz. I spent four days in Auschwitz. I've been to Buchenwald, and I've been to Dachau. And I, I've seen that. Some of the worst atrocities in yes, the world happened yes. there. And to compare then, you know, the, you know, any suffering we're doing. Some of the that, rhetoric we it, hear it's now. totally ridiculous. Yeah. To say that we have concentration camps at our southern border, yeah. you find offensive. If if you've if you've seen, I mean, you go to Auschwitz and there's the uh, the shoes, you know, the, the thousands. I have not been. Explain it to the listeners. I mean, it's just unbelievable. moving, very moving, isn't yes, it? Yes. Yes. The luggage, the. Yes. I mean, it, it's just amazing what man's inhumanity to man. Yes. And I don't think that we're that kind of country. And for some of the quote unquote leaders to say that we are that, I find very offensive. What do you think? You know, it's no secret, John. I think people know you're a Democrat. Uh, and I don't know if you can identify with the party now 
What do you think the, the party's going? We talked a little bit about Bernie Sanders, and you were for him. There were a lot of guys that liked what he had to say. Where, where do you think the Democrats, I mean, have they gone too far left? Well, that question remains to be seen. The young people are uh, young people. They always say a a, a communist is a young kid uh, until he becomes rich. You know, that sort of thing. And I, so they, I've heard a saying: uh, If you're not uh, a liberal when you're 20, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're 40, you have no brain. Yeah. Now, I know that's a little offensive to some folks, but it seems with age, you do get a little bigger worldview. And we seem to have a lot of young folk, uh, to me, young people, younger than I, that have come into this uh, process of governance, and they want to change things now. They don't want to wait. I don't. I'm sure you heard the debate, Elizabeth Warren, uh, uh, De Blasio. We're going to tax the hell out of the rich. If I was a rich guy, I'd be a little nervous. Well, well, uh, Elizabeth Warren didn't say they're going to tax the rich. She was much more specific because she had to be. She said they're going to tax billionaires. Uh, the the fact is that she and her husband are worth between five and ten million her, themselves. Mm -hmm. So she can't say we're going to tax millionaires. No. She, she, and I guess a million is, is so much a little amount nowadays that uh, Hard to believe. you can't use that. But I mean, ta she will tax billionaires. Well, uh, I checked out. I think in the United States there are somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, five to six hundred billionaires. And their total worth is somewhere in the neighborhood of three trillion dollars. Our present budget was is three and a half trillion, and we've overspent it by an almost another trillion. So we're spending in one year four and a half trillion dollars. So if we were to tax billionaires, we would take all their money. They'd be they join the homeless, and we wouldn't even be able to cover one year of what we're spending at the federal level. Now, that doesn't involve our credit card debt. It doesn't involve the debt of California. It doesn't involve any of that. So, I mean, we can make Trump, who's a billionaire, and Buffett, and, and Gates, and Bezos. Bezos, and these, yeah. yeah Bezos, Amazon doesn't pay a dime in taxes. He's, he's the big guy. Right. But even if we took all his money, it only amounts to about $150 uh, billion, So what's that going to cover? That'll cover till the May. That'll cover basically till maybe April or May. I, I just see this kind of a resentment to the free enterprise system. It seems like uh, they don't like capitalism. They resent it. Uh, I've even heard as far as having police uh, respond to McDonald's for a burglary. Well, why should we uh, help the owner of McDonald's when he's abusing the workers, paying them less than $15 an hour? Similar to what Obama said, you didn't make it on your own. Those roads you drove on were paid for by the government. I, I just kind of find it offensive. And I think people that have worked and struggled and made it, you've, I'm sure there's been successes in the wine industry. Should we now go and, and tax those people to death just because they were successful? And we kind of vilified success? Well, uh, unfortunately, a lot of success does hinge on government help. I mean, a lot of these people, I mean, let's, Bezos uh, is where he is uh, because he's got a lot of free, ma I mean, the, the mailing services are quite liberal. I mean, mm -hmm. so, uh, and, and so some of that, I, mean, I think some of it should, should go. But the problem always is that the tax laws are written uh, and there are so many loopholes, so that, and the people that don't have an organized lobby are uh, the middle class, and they don't handle the loopholes, you see. So, I mean, so, uh, 
I, I used to tell my students, I used to keep a note of the date, and I don't know what it is now, but at a certain time you, uh, of the year, as I was lecturing, I would say, okay, you guys can start enjoying your money. Right. Tax and I would point day. out, and this would be like, I say, and they'd say, what are you talking about? And I said, uh, well, from January to April or May, all the money you earned is going to taxes. So that's all paid for. Now you can start. You can tell your parents they can start enjoying the money because that's really theirs. Mm-hmm. Everything from the first of the year to this date belongs to some government somewhere in this in this uh, great country. And uh, the fact of the matter is that no matter how you cut it, middle class will be the ones that are going to pay the taxes Mm -hmm. and probably the ones that are going to be the most honest in paying the taxes. Well, yeah, because they have the most to lose. They can't cheat. They'll lose their house. They'll get uh, audited. They they seem to respect the laws more. I I agree with you. I don't know. So, uh, you know, when we, when we look at this uh, this attitude, if you will, in in the uh, in, in society, kind of a anti-capitalism, again, big government bringing more things to government. Do you, do you think that's the answer? Well, you know, again, I don't want to get too uh, riled up on that issue because the last debates we saw, yes. we saw finally some Democrats that maybe blue dogs, you mm-hmm. know, right, coming in and questioning things. That I, I was interested in, in that first debate because when you saw Ann Warren saying tax billionaires and Bernie waving his finger, you know, a la Brooklyn, right. uh, saying we got to do this and we got and I'm going to do all this I stuff. I wrote the so, damn bill. <laughs> and so on. <laughs> there was a governor guy from Colorado, some of these other people said, wait, wait a minute, you, we need, you know, let's be, and so, uh, I think we're throwing a baby out with the wash here, and I'm so I, you know, I, I know you're a good Republican. I'm a good conservative so, because I've been disappointed yeah, in my so party. I, so I think there are guys in the Democrats that may be saying, "Wait, this is getting a little too much." No, I agree. Uh, I, I think the uh, the gentleman that talked about Medicare for all. I mean, yeah. do you really think Medicare for all? We can't afford it, right? Yeah. I think even Obama and Bill Clinton was very conservative. In fact, to me, what's happening now is we're seeing almost a reversal of roles. The Democrats are becoming the Republicans, mm-hmm. they, but they keep using Republican terms like or anti-Republican terms like, uh, like racism, like uh, uh, billionaires, mm-hmm. you know, like tax the rich, and so on and so forth. Whereas uh, Republicans, you know, it was Richard Nixon that created aid to unmarried women having children. You know, you look at the facts there. You look mm-hmm. at the facts there. Um, it was John F. Kennedy, you know, that created the first big tax cut. And his family was enormously rich from liquor deals and so on, much of it in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when so when a Republican comes up with a tax cut, it's automatically a cut for the rich. But that's all politics, you right. see. That's all you have to read between the lines. I always like to I used to tell my students, there are three lies in this world. What are little lie, the big lie, and then there's politics. <laughs> that's a good saying. Well, I mean, that's it. You have to, so you can't say all Democrats. I mean, I'm sort of roundabout getting back to the question, are we going to this radical thing? We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, there's a lot of bravado. You got 20-something people. Uh, if you look at the 18 or 19 that you had during the Republican thing, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of, you know. A lot of similarities with the Tea lot Party. Of, lot of, a lot of communities 
voicing their opinion. Yeah, the fringe, kind of the, uh, what do they call it, the tail wagging the dog, kind of moving the whole party <clears throat> to a position that they're not comfortable with. You see the pushback, yeah. but any pushback is met with, well, you know, it's if not now, when? Uh, we've waited and waited. We're tired of waiting. I think Warren made that comment to one of the governors. Why are you even running for president if you're not willing to make big structural changes? And quite frankly, I just think it scares the hell out of a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Well, our congressman up in Napa, Mike Thompson, is a blue dog and one of the original blue dogs. Of course, I think and I, I tell them sometimes that unfortunately the blue dogs have sort of returned turned yellow dogs. They haven't done anything, right. and the budget's just going. It's just going bananas. It's just well, going crazy. What do you think of our new governor, Governor Newsom? Any you know, too early to tell yet? Kind of, a, he's not even eight months well, into his tenure. I, I did it. I don't know him personally, but I know his vineyards, and I. He has wine vineyards. Oh yeah, he's got several of them. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to think what their names are, but I did several stories for. I used to work for the uh, uh, for the newspaper Napa Napa Register and the uh, Saint Lena Star and the mm-hmm. Calistoga. Uh, Weekly Tribune. They used to be Pulitzer papers, and they were. And I really enjoyed the job. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, I covered some of his. He is an environmentalist, and I think that's good. But uh, I haven't really followed him very much. Nancy Pelosi has a big vineyard uh, in Napa, a very nice, fancy home. I don't mm. know if she's got a wall around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know either. I wouldn't want to try to get close. Well, uh, you know, you uh, you brought up a really good point about maybe it's just a little too early to see. I know that uh, uh, very controversial. Uh, you look at San Francisco; it's not in really good shape. I I don't know if you ever make it into the city or not. I haven't been there in a couple of years. Not a lot. I go in. I I still love the city. The lots of great places, but it's gotten very seedy. But yeah. then my the city that I usually linger in is Santa Rosa, and un- it, unfortunately, the climate is just so nice. Mm-hmm. You could live year round pretty much, and you can live on the street year. Yeah. You just throw a little, an old, car, an old refrigerator carton on top of you, and you got a home. That, that was the problem with San Diego. <laughs> Plus, we had eight plane loads of new tourists every hour, which, uh, you know, they hadn't seen the transients before. So they, they never were, go away. They never town. go away. They well, you know, as an old newspaper man, I don't know if you knew John Derby here in town. Uh, he's the... Uh, I, I knew, yeah, he ran the, the little independent Merced one. County I Times. Knew, I knew John, not a, a, a whole lot. But. He, he's kind of the major paper now, because I'll tell you, the Merced Sunstar is just a shadow of its itself very very thin well, I, I, I knew Lusha and Lunny Lunny was I think the managing editor at the time and he helped us get our, our paper started do you see print media going away uh, well uh, yeah it's it's in decline and I think journalists are in decline a lot of these people are maybe just English teachers who uh, I mean they write okay but that may be questionable too but uh, they've gone to bylines which means you could steal the store once you put a byline on it, you can say anything you want, pretty much. What does that mean? I'm not sure what that means. I thought that's just your name on a story, right? What's a byline? A byline means you. This is you are. This is yours. So it, it allows you to give opinions. Uh, See, most stories used to be simply just the, the, the New facts. York Times. Every story was the New York Times. Now you take a byline, and it's basically printed. You know. 
we own the story, but this guy is giving an opinion. Right. You, you, you're able to do edit to editorialize in your story when you give a byline. You That's say. what I see in the nightly and news. And it's all over the place. You see place. it in the nightly news. These It wasn't like Walter Cronkite giving you the facts. They're giving you their opinion and innuendo and you know the, the nods and the looks. I don't think that's professional journalism, is it? You should give people and let them make the decision, right? Not anymore. It, it doesn't. For one thing, I doubt it would sell papers. It just won't just sell the facts. Yeah. And you you just need that. But but when you uh, the New York Times is just uh, you know a shell of what it was before. Plus the fact that it's all. I mean the owner is a a fellow from Mexico who's a multi billionaire and he's a media man. And it's hard to believe that some of those things are not being coached. The mm-hmm. Washington Post is another example. Bezos, the richest man in the world, owns the Washington Post. It's you know how can it possibly be? a totally legitimate, particularly when almost every article is bylined and you can almost see what they're going to say in in the, the lead of the story. Sometimes even the headline is is telling you, you know, uh, the, the opinion rather than this is what happened, this is what we think is happening mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, yeah, journalism is, is, a, is a far cry from, to me, what what uh, American papers used to be. But you still read the New York Times every day, don't I you? I read the New York Times. I don't read the Post. Uh, I, it's not available, but I do. I read the New York Times. I usually try to read at least uh, uh, three or four newspapers. I do go online, so I do read a lot of Post stories yeah, online. Yeah. Uh, and I, I try to stay, I, and I watch Fox and MSNBC, but not for very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything is is getting like that. You don't get just the story. You immediately start getting uh, an emotional look at it. And I read sometimes. I read. I say, "Here we go. Here they're going right here." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, must be interesting seeing that over the course of your career and your lifetime, how things have changed so much. We would have never been permitted as a journalist, even in the '60s, to have the liberties that journalists have now and uh, and I'm sure newspapers have have uh, you know supported candidates and so on and so on and it was up to the editor to give opinion Mm -hmm. but the front page certainly was to give you you know an objective view Mm -hmm. of what's happening and uh, that's interesting a lot of things have moved from the editorial page up to the the front page is the editorial page you know exactly where the where the position of the paper is and it's hard to believe that uh, mr bezos is not having some influence uh, over what what's in there i mean it's you know it's just like uh, the the tea party the Tea Party part is partly responsible for uh, Miss Cortez. Let's face it; it's in your face. It's it's constantly right. challenged I legal agree. things. I agree. Uh, a lot, to me, uh, so Trump really inherited a lot of this. He is a New Yorker, and he is from Queens, and he is from Astoria, which probably are all marks against him <laughs> right there. That makes him a fighter but, and a scrapper. But, what he's doing, I mean, look, you go back in TV, all in the family, you know, right. Meathead and, and, and Dingbath. Yeah, Archie I mean, Bunker. And, yeah. and then you go to The Simpsons where they're calling each other names. I remember the Jerry Springer show where he uh-huh. would incite people and they would have food fights. Yeah. And now, and all this is converged on Donald Trump and he 
need now is the end product of it. But unfortunately, we all are the end product of Jerry Springer and the food fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, people said at the time the fabric was really going downhill. I remember when Howard Stern came on the radio. Yeah, Stern's another example. There was one time I was watching, he had this woman on. (laughs) Now, be careful, John. Don't uh, be too descriptive. And he was spanking her with a a fish, a dead (laughs) fish. I mean, this is America. I know. This is the country of Ben Franklin. (laughs) This is uh, Thomas Jefferson. And they're upset with Robert E. Lee. And, you know, it's just totally insane. It, It really is, John. You know, my guest... I haven't taken a break because this guy is really, really interesting. He's my neighbor. He's my friend. Knew my dad. I learned something today I didn't know. I didn't know that uh, you guys were instrumental in saving our courthouse. Yeah. That's a jewel. The old courthouse. That's a jewel over there. Anyway, John Intardinato, a great guy. I'm sure people that are listening to this remember him, probably took his classes. And uh, he's still around. And I hope he comes in again. We're out of time. I've blown through not only the 8 o'clock hour. But I'm into the 9 o'clock hour, and we're out of time. I don't have any more time. I knew he'd be a good guest. And, again, this is going to be online. People can listen to this whenever they want. Hopefully John will listen to it. And more pointedly, hopefully you'll come back next time you're in town. Where my kids are. Well, if you have time, I'd like to... If the mountain will come to Muhammad, Muhammad's got to go to the mountain. Well, uh, (laughs) I I think in a couple of months we'll have another couple of debates under our belt. We'll know uh, locally what's going on and in the state scene. And I really appreciate your insight because, again, you're a very learned man. You're not retired. You're constantly trying to learn and better yourself, reading papers, those type of things. And I really value you coming in today, John. Thank you. Nice. Thank you very much. All right. Well, folks, we're out of time. I've blown through the whole hour. Never took a break. You're going to hear some weird edits. But I really want to thank John, my neighbor, my friend, friend of my father's for coming in. Maybe next time Nora might uh, come in. We don't know. He's going to go back and report to her, let her know it wasn't as as, uh, difficult. It wasn't like a dental appointment. But thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next week for another exciting edition of Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed. We'll see you later.